Welcome back to J. Tom Lawlerink here at Merrimack. The score at the end of two periods. Providence leads Merrimack. It is four to nothing. I'm Mike Macknick with John Leahy. Second intermission tonight brought to you by Merrimack Graduate Studies. At Merrimack, you can earn your master's degree in as little as one year. Choose from graduate programs in business, education, engineering, health sciences, criminology, and so much more. Visit merrimack.edu backslash graduate today. That's merrimack.edu backslash graduate today for all the details. Two-minute minor penalty called there at the 20-minute mark of the second period against Merrimack's Alex Carl. That will put Providence on the power play to start the third period. Just to let you know, Friars leading 4 to nothing here at the end of 2. And our guest here in the first, uh, second intermission here tonight, Mike McMahon. It's been a couple of weeks since we've had a chance to talk to Mike. Lots, lots gone on in the meantime. And one of the things that's happened this week, Mike, uh, signing of national letters of intent. Mar- uh, Merrimack Hockey has had several players signed. We thought we'd talk about that a bit. Uh, you know, Give us your assessment overall, first of all, uh, players to sign. I know you've got it listed. Uh, There's a place that online folks can go to look at the macreport.com but uh, give us your rundown there. Uh, well, men's hockey's had a lot of guys signed, which is good. I mean, you want to get these guys on paper. We've seen what, what can happen when they're not papered. Uh, so uh, the first two that signed earlier in the week were, were Liam Walsh and Evan McIntyre, both both players out of Cedar Rapids in the USHL, both committed after Scott Moore got here, too, so the two of his recruits. Uh, Walsh is having a really good year for Cedar Rapids. He's, he's right around a point per game, and I think he's 19 years old. I think he's only has one year of juniors left, uh, although signing the end of the line means he's probably coming in next year. So good point totals. Uh, probably projects as like a top nine forward. Um, and, and I think he's a two-year captain now of Cedar Rapids as well, so a guy that could be part of the leadership core down the road. Uh, and then Evan McIntyre is another guy that committed not long after, after Coach Bork got here, and I think he's a, a puck-moving defenseman that they're pretty excited about. Uh, I don't know his numbers. I think he's got two goals and one assist, but he's also an 18-year-old who's in his first year in the league. So that's not really a total surprise. He probably has a 19- and 20-year-old defenseman playing ahead of him on the depth chart. So that's not a big surprise there. Uh, and then they had a bunch of guys that signed uh, over the last over the last day. I think the signing period started on Wednesday. Uh, and then yesterday, Zach Ewins, uh, a defenseman out of Ontario, signed. Uh, he's been committed for a while. Uh, he, he's playing really well. I think he's hurt right now because he's only played in 11 games. But uh, he has 9 or 10 points as a defenseman in the Ontario League. Uh, he was... A defensive partner with Declan Carlisle, who is now in the USHL with Tri City. Uh, they were defensive partners with with, in, with Wellington in the OJHL last year. Uh, but Carlisle signed his NLI earlier this week, and he's a guy that is on the watch list. I think Ewins is too uh, to potentially be an NHL draft pick. So Carlisle is a pretty big get as a defenseman as well. Um, I'm trying to think who the other ones that were. Oh, Mac Welsher is a recent commit from Des Moines in the USHL. Uh, he signed his NLI this week, and he's played really well. He had a four-point game last week. And uh, I think he's on the second line at Des Moines, and he's got 11 points in nine games. So he's over a point per game in the USHL. Uh, and then the, the, the last one was the goaltender from Finland, Yeri. Uh, I'm going to butcher his last name. I think it's Hutama. Uh, but he signed his NLI earlier this week. And that can be deferred to. Uh, I think if the player and the school both agree to it, they can defer it for a year. Uh, so they've got two goaltenders committed. Christian Stover, uh, who I, I don't believe I've seen has signed his NLI yet. Uh, and then Humata. Uh, so... One of those guys could get deferred. I think the plan, just based on their age, that Stover will probably come in next year. Um, so, I mean, re- theoretically, they could bring in both next year. We don't know. Uh, lose two. They have two seniors that are going to graduate. James Cochran is another goalie that was committed for next year. Uh, he, he's in his last year of junior eligibility now, although he is hurt. Uh, I think he had knee surgery. Uh, he was supposed to play for Maryland in the North American Hockey League. And, and he may not sign an NLI. I think he was recruited as a, as a third goalie. And you don't sign an NLI unless you're getting eight. So it's, it wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be shocking to see 
some of their commits not sign national letters of intent because you're only signing an NLI if you're getting eight. Right, so that means so we're talking how many then? Six was it? Six players that have signed three, three forwards, two D's, and one goalie. Am I right on that? I think that's right. Yep, six so far. Uh, and, and you know, it's interesting. I, I'm not saying Merrimack does this. I don't think they do. Uh, but there's been some programs too recently that have played uh, some games with the NLI and, and have put the NLI, you know, that first year financial aid package at less money than. Uh, I actually heard a story recently of a, of a goalie who's uh, was signed to a Big Ten school and uh, they, they signed the NLI just for book money. Basically, it was like five hundred dollars. And I said, "Oh, we're just going to do this because we got to get it on paper." Uh, and then they went out and committed another goalie. And, and the poor kid found out about a year later that there was no room for him. He could still come with the five hundred bucks if he wanted to, but you know, if they wanted, if he wanted out as an NLI, they'd let him. So uh, we're even seeing. We've talked about teams taking advantage of verbal commitments. There, there are some teams that are even finding ways to take advantage of NLIs these days. So the sixth that we talked about, the three forwards, two D's, one one goalie, uh, at least that have signed so far, and I guess yeah. there could could be more, right? I, I would expect um, there would be more, right? Um, which which of those do you see potentially coming in next year? Uh, really, all of them. Uh, I think, with the exception of, of maybe the goaltender, uh, that's the one where I'm not sure about because Parker was committed to come in as the third goalie, uh, essentially taking Pantano's spot. Believe it or not, I mean that's I think that's how it was when he came in as a freshman. Pantano was the third goalie and kind of looked at it as the third goalie. I don't know what they're going to do now. I know uh, in previous years Merrimack has always invested two scholarships in their goaltenders, and then they've had a third goalie that has been a walk-on and it hasn't received any money at all. So uh, if they follow that same formula, they're losing one scholarship goalie and, and one non-scholarship goalie, I guess. Although, with the way Fantano's played the last two years, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that they found some money for him over the last year. Um, so, I, the goalie's the only one I'm not sure about. You know, they could bring him in, in excuse me, they could bring him in next year. Uh, if they do, they could bring in three goalies next year. I mean, we've seen them go with four goalies before. Other teams have done that, too. So, uh, I don't know. That, that's the only one. The other, four, or the other five, I think, are all very likely to be here next year. Some of them we know will be just because of age. Uh, we're talking to Mike McMahon from the MacReport.com, the Eagle Tribune and College Hockey News as well. It is Providence 4, Merrimack, nothing here at the end of two periods of play. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this game here. Uh, Providence came out really at the get-go, dominated that first period like, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> it was... Uh, yeah, it was like, uh, you know, two different levels kind of there. Uh, the teams were playing at two different levels there. But here's the other thing. Merrimack's now had this trend of three, at least three games in a row where the first period has been very one-sided in that regard. I mean, they were out attempted in the first period here tonight, 24-3. to That is not the way you want to start things. I can't, you, I can't remember seeing a disparity that large, yeah. honestly. Like, that's, that's huge. I mean, you, Providence is a darn good team. Oh, we, yeah. we know that. I, I, we know, honestly, I think they're the best team in the league. I know they got swept last weekend. People think UMass, I mean, UMass is good. I think Providence top to bottom is the best team in the league. So. Yeah, and in Providence actually, you know, if you look at other some of the other numbers besides just the score last weekend, Providence arguably, had, oh. you know, and Nate Lehman felt his team played very, very well last Listen weekend. Saturday, I think shot attempts on Saturday were like 62 to 30, and they lost the game. So uh, one team out attempts another one 62 to 30. 99% of the time, the team with 62 is going to win that game. So I think if they split that series last weekend, we're not people aren't as swayed to be, to be kind of like uh, wide-eyed about UMass this week. I get it. UMass is good. Don't get me wrong. I think they're they're one of the top four teams in the league. I'd be very surprised if they weren't uh, with, with home ice in the first round of the playoffs. But I really, I thought Providence was the best team at the beginning of the year. We're only nine games in for them. So there's been nothing that has swayed me from that so far. Well, here's one of the things I will say, though, and of course, I think this is something that me and he was trying to right the ship in this regard here, is you had not one but two games last weekend, the close games that they lost right, near, right at the end of the game. Whereas UMass, the flip side, they've won not only those two games, but some other games 
games, close games early on. I mean, I see UMass this year, or at least so far, I realize we're only about a third of the way into the season, but they're a team that looks like, looks like they've learned how to win games. And that's an intangible that you can't necessarily, you know, you don't know what's going to lead to that or how a team's going to develop it, but UMass has certainly developed it early on here. Providence, if I'm Nate Lehman, despite the fact that my team is as heralded as they are and certainly is as good as they are, we see it here tonight and in some of the other games they've played, you don't want to be losing close games like that because that's how you end up, you know, one and done or out in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, and, and with UMass too, I mean, they're going to they're gonna end up in some games that aren't close either. I mean, I, I got a feeling that they're going to play some games where they're a younger team still, so yeah. there's going to be nights where things don't go their way. I think they're tied, they, I don't know if the score is now, they were tied with, with Holy Cross tonight uh, a little bit ago, out shooting them like 30-12 to 12 in that game, so it's almost like the, sh- the shoe's on another foot uh, with them tonight, you know, compared to where they've been in some of their games. So, uh, yeah, I think that, that Providence, though, is just from a depth standpoint, like I don't know that anyone in the league really matches up with their depth. They have experience. Uh, I think they probably have the best coach in the league. I mean, it, it's they've got a lot of intangibles, too, so they're still 1-1. Uh, but they've got a lot of intangibles, too, where I just feel like, you know what, we, when we get to January, February, and March, this is going to be a team that's going to win 12 games in a row. Like They're going to be a team that just has the ability to go on one of those runs, then come playoff time. I think they're going to be a really hard team to beat. Uh, Logan Halliday on the bench, but uh, everything that I see is that he's still a bit banged up, couldn't really go in tonight even if they wanted him to. Is that your understanding as well? Uh, it is, yeah. I don't know exactly what the injury was there, but I think the same thing happened last weekend where he was on the bench, just not technically healthy enough to dress, but maybe not healthy enough to play. So, uh, But if he's on the bench, I mean, I would think that you're pretty close to getting him back. Yeah. Talked to him in the airport, and he indicated to me he was probably a couple of weeks away from ready for game action. So yeah, he's close. Yeah, I would think. I mean, you're not going to put him on the bench and dress him if you weren't if you weren't pretty close. So that, that's got to be a good sign. Um, so at least three straight games, as we mentioned here now, for Merrimack getting outshot, outplayed badly in the first period. A. Why is it happening from what you've seen? And, you know, different teams, obviously, from Michigan State last weekend, Providence this weekend. Uh, B, what do you know about it? I don't know. Uh, you know, tonight's the one that I think is probably a little more worrisome, just because you figure they're a league, a league opponent. Uh, you know, you know, you know something about this team. Bemidji last week in the first period on Friday, you don't know much about them. It's a long trip. I mean, that, that could be a situation where, hey, you just the team you don't know much about. They came out and caught you off guard in the first period. I thought the second and third period of that Friday game against Bemidji was a lot closer. Uh, you know, it was a much more even game after that. So uh, I think it's a little more explainable against a team like that, where you just you're unfamiliar with them. But this would be the one that. I have a little more concern with just because this is an opponent that you, you know. I mean, uh, you've got juniors and seniors on this team that have seen this team play, this Providence team play for the last three, four years. So uh, this is the one where I think you got to be a little more concerned with just because th- this is not an unfamiliarity thing. This is just a, hey, <laughs> Providence came in and set the bar from a, a, comp- a compete level standpoint. They just weren't able to match it. All right, Mike, thanks. There's been a lot to catch up on. We didn't even get to the Merrimack women. We'll talk about them tomorrow night and some other things as well. So, folks, uh, part two of our weekend interview with Mike McMahon, that'll be tomorrow night at, down at Providence. Thanks a lot, Mike. We appreciate your time. And, folks, stay tuned to themacreport.com as well as following him on Twitter, Mike McMahon, CHN, as uh, uh, I'm sure as there are more players that sign, right? Letters of intent. You'll have that news not only for hockey but for other sports as well. Mike, thanks again. Thank you. We'll see you tomorrow. All right, that is Mike McMahon to score here at the end of two periods of play. It's Providence 4, Merrimack nothing. Back with more after this. This is Warrior Hockey.